Welcome to another edition of Newport Beach in the Rearview Mirror. I'm Bill Lobdell. You are so beautiful. much all I know about architecture is what I learned from Mike Brady, the awesome TV dad in the 1970s classic sitcom, The Brady Bunch. He made it seem like being an architect was a pretty cool job. He had a sweet little home office that was referred to as The Den, and it also served as a setting for many heart-to-hearts with Greg, Peter, Bobby, Marsha, Jan, and Cindy. Mr. Brady did his work there on a sleek drafting board. He had all sorts of architecty instruments to help him design. A scale ruler, T-square, compass, protractor, lining pens, mechanical pencils, to name a few. Actually, that's all I can name, and I did it with the help of Google, not surprisingly. And when he had clients over, he would unroll his blueprints across that drafting board with the reverence of a 15th century monk unveiling a sacred scroll. Looking at the Brady Bunch fan sites, and there's a disturbing number of them, it's unclear what kind of architecture Mike specialized in, but whatever it was, he seemed respected in that field and eventually started his own firm, Brady & Associates. I guess I do know one more thing about architecture that I didn't learn from Mr. Brady. That knowledge is best explained by a quote from U.S. Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart. He famously wrote that it was impossible to come up with a legal definition of pornography, but, quote, I know it when I see it. For me, that's how I feel about good architecture. I could never define it in a million years, but I know it when I see it. And in Newport Beach, I can see the best piece of architecture in town each time I take the Balboa Ferry across the bay. And I'm sure you're way ahead of me on this. It's the town's oldest standing building, the most recognized icon, the majestic and historic Balboa Pavilion, built in 1906 on the bayfront. But I always wanted to learn more about Newport's architectural pedigree, which I knew for many people like myself, hid in plain sight. So I approached famed architect, and Cronodomar resident Ron Yeo, that's spelled Y-E-O, and ask him for a favor. Would you be interested in coming up with a list of the seven architectural wonders of Newport Beach? And then we can count them down on this podcast. He graciously agreed, and I soon had his list in hand. Reading it over for the first time, it contained several surprises and, to me at least, unknown history and context. Before we get to the interview, here's some super quick background on 88-year-old Ron Yeo. And by the way, he looks like he's maybe in his early 70s. He's a graduate of the USC School of Architecture, and one of his earliest projects was the Movie Land Wax Museum in Buena Park. He moved to Corona del Mar in 1963, and as a newly arrived architect in town, Ron took any project that came his way, including kitchen and deck remodels. But soon, his reputation spread, and his work began appearing in publications such as the Los Angeles Times, Sunset Magazine, and Architectural Digest. 
He eventually served as architect on more than 150 projects in Newport alone. Also, Renaissance Ron has been a leading advocate of master planning, open space, and the environmentally sensitive architecture movement dating back all the way to the mid-1960s. This led to his passion for nature centers and two of his masterpieces in Newport, the Back Bay Science Center, which is near the Newport Dunes, and the Peter and Mary Muth Interpretive Center. And spoiler alert, I made Ron put the Muth Interpretive Center on the list at number seven, and it probably deserves to be higher than that. And if you don't know where that is, it's tucked into a upper Newport Bay hillside across University Avenue from the YMCA. Ron's also been involved in the preservation of the beach cottages of Cronin Omar, a movement that has been overpowered by a greater force, soaring property values, which made the land too valuable to contain only a modest cottage. As an alternative, Ron is helping along with several nonprofits to document the remaining Corona Del Mar cottages. Second note before the interview, I put photos of each of the seven architectural wonders that he selected in the Newport in the Rearview Mirror Instagram account. That's Newport, not Newport Beach, in the Rearview Mirror, with each word separated by an underscore. Final note, this interview was a lot of fun. I felt like I was sitting in Mike Brady's den hearing about the best architecture Newport Beach has to offer. All right, let's get to it. Ron, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's certainly an honor to be part of it. Okay, before this episode, I gave you a little homework that you graciously agreed to do, come up with the list of the seven architectural wonders of Newport Beach. First question for you, Ron, how tough was it to narrow down your list to just seven? It was really hard to just pick seven buildings. Yeah, it, it, when you first mentioned this, I was wondering it, you know, how, how many people wonder about the seven wonders of architecture in Newport Beach? So I think <laughs> this is really a marvelous thing that you've come up with. Oh, thanks. Now, before you get to number seven, and we'll do this in a countdown format, I'm curious about two, what I think are architectural wonders that didn't make your list. And this is from a layman's point of view. Let me tell you the first one. Portobello, if listeners don't know, it's this futuristic mansion in Cronomar at 1627 Brighton Road. It's built over three lots on an oceanfront bluff with stunning views of the Pacific coast. To give you some scale of the place, it was built in 2002 and it features a 16-car garage. And to me, it seems like the type of home that George Jetson would live in if he was a if he was a billionaire, I I think that's a really good description of the house. That was one that Brian Jeanette designed. Uh, it certainly meets your description of a pretty iconic uh, building in that regard. I think it was over designed and kind of represents what uh, development is happening. And bigger and better is best. Right. I think small small is good. And uh, just it's kind of uh, excessive in my mind it doesn't really represent uh newport beach as uh how it's grown from a little beach city to a uh coastal city sure that's that's i think that's fair if anybody wants to see it it's it's unimpressive from the street but just google portobello and corona mar and you'll find all these aerial shots showing the home from the ocean side 
you can also find a lot of spectacular interior shots from when the mansion was last on the market. The aerial shots are, are really amazing. Just look at that and say, wow, wish I had the money to do that. <laughs> yeah, the, it sold in 2010 for $34 million, which was about half off what they were originally asking. You can see it from the row, but again, it's, it's no big deal at 1541 Brighton Road. Okay, my second one that didn't make the list was the Pelican Hill Resort. If you read the literature, its owner, the Irvine Company, says it embodies the, quote, vision and principles of Italian Renaissance architect Andrea Palladino, unquote. And I especially love the Colosseum pool, which was inspired by, guess what, the Colosseum. And I have a story about that pool that's probably apocryphal. But knowing the reputation of Donald Brand, the chairman of the Irvine Company and legendary perfectionist, it just might be true. The bottom of the Colosseum pool is made up of hundreds of thousands of glass mosaic tiles. Well, the story goes, after laying down all those tiles and filling up the pool, Mr. Bren did not like the pool's shade of blue. And he ordered all those tiles scraped and replaced by ones that had a different shade of blue. I think the fact that it could be true reflects on the level of detail evident throughout the Pelican Hills Resort. At any rate, Ron, what do you think of that piece of architecture? Well, I, I think it's a great thing for the city to have. I think it's important and it, it uh, is, probably should rank up there. The, the biggest problem is there's only seven wonders acceptable. <laughs> and right. that didn't quite fit it for me, but it's right. a good one. You had a couple runners up that you just couldn't squeeze on your list. Could you go over those? Well, there's some really important ones, like Hogue Hospital is one. Newport Center and Fashion Island, you know, is really an important element in, in the growth of the city. And I had a hard time picking out one element out of that whole Fashion Island, uh, Newport Center group. I couldn't say, well, this, this, is, this is it. Hey, Ron, on, yep. on that point, mm -hmm. what do you think of the PAC Life Building, Pacific Life Building? That, that seems to be controversial. And either uh, people hate it or love yeah, it or hate it. Yeah, that's a Carrera building and is highly regarded by uh, designers. It's um, you know kind of an upside down shaped building. Everybody should go and look at it. It's really really an interesting one, and it's uh, stayed the same all these years. You know, it's uh, I'm not sure how old it is, but it's been well uh, maintained and looks good. Yeah, the Pacific Life Building, which is at 700 Newport Center Drive right across the street from Fashion Island, was completed in 1973. All right. Um, so if I had to pick one out of that whole area, that would probably be the one building. Okay. Okay. I know the various neighborhoods of Newport were another architectural wonder that didn't make your list. What makes them special? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes Newport uh, a great place to live is all the, all the neighborhoods and uh, you know, whether it's Cronomar, Balboa Island, uh, the Bluffs, what, you know, every, everything. A lot of times when people say, where are you from? You don't say Newport Beach. You say, I'm, I'm from Corona de Mar or mm -hmm. I'm from China Cove. And, of course, there's a crab cooker. You know, that's one of my favorite buildings and uh, certainly uh, represents uh, uh, Newport well, I think, from, you know, I, I'm looking for sort of history and emotions and uh, how, how everything related to the growth of Newport Beach. 
Okay, that's uh, that's good. Let's get to your list. What's uh, your number seven? Number seven was really hard to pick because uh, of all the ones that uh, I had to choose from. And leaving out a lot of my favorite buildings is really tough. But I ended up picking the Moose Center. And it highlights the efforts of many citizens in the preservation of the Back Bay. Uh, as you probably know, the uh, Frank and Fran Robinson, Spawn, many others, uh, worked really hard to keep the public tidelands from being a marina and housing. And so that was kind of a milestone uh, for the city, just like the getting rid of the freeway through the town was. And I probably included it because of my ego, because, uh, you know, you got to kind of pat yourself on the back every once in a while. Because you're, the, ar- a, you're um, the architect of it. Yes, I was the architect. And we basically started off with uh, the design of the um, regional park for the upper Newport Bay. And uh, we had uh, 10 years of planning and design and citizen workshops. And so it was a lot of hard work, but uh, it, uh, it was fun. It was interesting enough because everybody that lived around there and used the Back Bay felt it was their own private spot. The equestrians like to ride their horses everywhere, and the bicyclists like to go up and down everywhere. Environmentalists wanted to preserve everything and keep everybody out. And so the, the workshops came about that after a long time of uh, debating back and forth, it worked out that everybody said, yeah, okay, we don't need trails everywhere. Let's just have some trails and everybody stay on a trail. And whatever you do, don't build that big, ugly building there. And so that's why we ended up tucking the Moose Center into the hillside. Uh, worked out well. You can barely see it from the street. Okay, number six. Number six is another controversial project. I picked the Newport City Hall complex. And a lot of people dislike this structure, uh, mainly because of the high construction costs. And but I believe it represents the commitment of the city to provide the best in civic architecture. Governmental offices really work well for visitors. And, uh, all the additional elements in the community room, the library, the village green, the sculptural park, we made it a true center for the community. It's a nice, nice facility, even if some people hate it. <laughs> They hate it because uh, over 10 years, it went from $49 million to $130 million. But I think I had an archbishop in the Catholic Church once tell me that you never want to be the guy that builds the cathedral. You want to be the next guy because people forget of the price and, <laughs> and uh, you know, they, they love it. So I, I think most people have long forgotten about that price tag. Specifically about the building, what do you like about it? It seems from a layperson's point of view, it, it's light, it's airy, it's got those sort of wavy uh, structures on the roof. What do you like about it? Well, I think the, the best thing about it is that they took advantage of our weather in Newport Beach. It's just nice most of the time. And instead of having long, dark corridors, you can actually walk outside and then enter into any of the... Uh, uh, departments that you're looking for, whether it's right. planning or building or uh, whatever. And it just makes it feel good that way. Uh, the actual architecture of the waves, you know, that, it's kind of an arbitrary thing, but it does bring in a lot of light and, uh, and a theme to it. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's really good. All right, let's get to number five. 
Number five uh, goes way back. I call it the stuffed shirt, but it, it's now Armory's Boutique. This went out from the cannery, Ruby's, Rusty Pelican, you know, as one of the best examples of waterside dining. And I think that's an important element in Newport Beach and ought to be representative. It was designed by local architects, Ladd and Kelsey. It's a great example of high-quality Southern California mid-century modern architecture. So that's kind of where my heart is a lot. There's many memories of celebration, graduations, and we had my wife's uh, 50th birthday there and uh, elegant interiors. Had a lot of different uses through the years and conos, windows to the bay. And we're not sure what's going to happen to it now down in Mariner's Mile with all the development and redevelopment. But it's a historic building and will remain. I mean, it's it's not only historic locally, but it's it's known yeah, that's, thr- throughout the state. as the, a, the, the State uh, Historical Commission uh, has it listed. But in order to get a national listing, you have to have the owner's permission, I think. So, You mentioned the cannery. It, that always strikes me as a really nice use or a reuse of a historic building. What, what's, what are your thoughts there? I agree with that completely. Yeah, it's it's a, a super building. Captures the flavor of, uh, of the old cannery days. And, you know, we're losing most of that flavor of shipbuilding and everything. So I think it's... A, it's a great asset for the city. It's another one of those items that didn't quite make it to the seven. We, right. need, we need the 50 wonders of architecture. <laughs> you know what also did it, uh, didn't make it, talking about seafood and cannery, is the uh, Pearson's Port. It's that cute little seafood selling shack that sits on a dock near the base of the Coast Highway Pier, right next to the Newport Dunes. That is so fun and funky. You know, it's much better than... Um, anything else around it's that's brand new and shiny and everything it's just a, a neat little place to get uh, fresh fish and uh, it, it's marvelous if anybody hasn't visited just take uh, it out sometime okay uh, let's talk about number where are we at? number four already number four you know it's one of the things that uh, is hard about the seven wonders is whether you take uh, you know, governmental or commercial buildings or where does residential fit in and, and all that. And although this isn't a residence, it, I feel that Herb Brownell's uh, architectural office on Coast Highway, which is now an insurance office, is really uh, an outstanding uh, piece of architecture for a uh, well-known residential architect. And it was the very first building that I fell in love with back in the 50s and driving down Coast Highway. It just sort of stood out as this strange, funky little wooden thing that I thought, gee, if people can really design things like that, you know, maybe maybe there is a place for me. And so it has a warm uh, place in my heart. Uh, and starting out as a budding architect, uh, this office uh, represented a bright future for me in the field of architecture. And uh, it was carved out from the Irvine Company, uh, unusable piece of land by Jay Herbert. Well, I, here's a confession for you, Ron, is uh, I got a sneak peek at your list. So I went down there because I had no idea what the building was. And it is, I must have passed it, I don't know, thousands of times, but it's across from the Sea, sea Scout base. And it is tucked into the hillside there, and it, it's a beautiful building, but it's, it's one that 
I don't think most people would notice given all the development around there. The name of the building is Novamar Insurance Correct. and yeah. uh, right across the street from the sea base. So I, I, go check it out. It's a, it's a great building. So thanks for that tip. Also, if, also, if you check it out, there's a uh, concrete wall that has sculpture designed by Tom Van Zandt that uh, uh, is really worth looking at. Tom's done a lot of uh, sculptures around, around the city and uh, worth really uh, excellent work. Okay, we're down to the top three. Give me your third architectural wonder of Newport Beach. Okay, number three, I picked uh, the Joe and the Suco Price Home in Shortcliffs. This is a contrast to the average home because it's, it's really unique and astonishing. It's uh, smaller in scale than the one you mentioned by Brian Jeanette. It was designed by architect Bart Prince in 1984, I believe. And if you view it from the street, it's just a rounded shingle roof. But if you Google it, uh, you can see the interiors are overwhelming and uh, just they knock your socks off as you enter. It's, uh, great spaces, unique forms, and really like it. If you go look at it from the outside and it's at 180 Shorecliffe Road, you immediately know it's something special just by the roof, which is wavy and, and made up of scores of tiny little layers that remind me of the sandstone at the base of those famous rock formations in the Utah desert. Aside from the roof, though, you can't really get a feel for the house. But you say, Ron, that the interior is more spectacular. What's the vibe inside, Ron? Well, it's just uh, these really interesting spaces. You go from one to the other, and it just uh, amazes you how anybody can create uh, such emotions out of it. It's open, airy, very nice. Okay, we're down to the top two. Number two. Number two is another residence. is a Lovell Beach House down in the oceanfront. And I picked that because it represented a, a major and radical contrast to the typical wood-framed beach cottages that lined the peninsula 100 years ago. Uh, constructed in 1926, the house is generally considered one of the greatest works of pioneering modern architect Rudolf Schindler. This structure demonstrates the early use of concrete, predates the post-war brutalist style of architecture, which concrete is left uh, unsurfaced and structures distinct from the enclosure. You know, let the structure show. Ron, I wouldn't have had a peek at the Level House, which is at 1242 West Oceanfront, if anybody else wants to have a look. And I couldn't believe it was built in 1926. It looks like a mid-century modern built in the 1950s and the 60s at the latest. It was so far ahead of its time. It's really iconic and very historic. And worldwide, people come and visit. It bothers the levels when the people come in and peek in and knock on their doors. Pretty tough to live in a famous house. All right. Excellent. It's time for number one. Ron, give it to us. The Balboa Pavilion. The pavilion best represents both the old and the new and rich and diverse development of Newport's history. And I think that's really important, and I think everybody would recognize it as an iconic structure. Constructed in 1905, it's a classic uh, of a promotional beachfront tourist development. 
And it's one of California's last surviving turn of the century's recreational pavilions. It was designed by architect Fred R. Dorn and remodeled and upgraded in the early 60s with design by Newport Beach famous architect Bill Ficker, who is best known as the skipper of Intrepid of the America's Cup in 1970. Certainly it deserves number one ranking. Again, from a lay person's point of view, that building is so appealing. Probably the most iconic thing in Newport Beach, right? If you if you want to show someone Newport Beach, one of the first things you're going to show them is the pavilion. What, what in its architecture makes it so pleasing? It just um, makes you feel very comfortable, especially when you get there from the ferry and you just kind of see it from a distance and you arrive into it. And it's got, it's almost has welcoming arms to it. That, uh, uh, picture back in time, just a perfect beachfront tourist development. All right, Ron, that, that's uh, it. Thanks for those seven architectural wonders in Newport Beach. I really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, you were great. Thank you very much. It was really a lot of fun. It uh, gives you a lot of food for thought. It gets everybody thinking about what's their favorite building. Thanks for getting into this podcast time machine with me and exploring the seven architectural wonders of Newport Beach. We'll see you next time.